Well, I spent the night in the Radix ground blind, and I have the swivel chairs. And uh, <laughs> if I do it again next time, I'm going to do it a little different, just for because I didn't sleep all night. But it got down to seven degrees real feel. Uh. It got cold next to that creek. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the DSD Podcast. I'm Brad Cochran with Dave Smith here, and today's guest is our good buddy, Philip Vanderpool. Philip, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. It's going to be a fun time, as always. You bet. So why don't you uh, tell us, Philip, where you're from, and how did you get into hunting? (laughs) Well, I'm from uh, a little town, actually, Jasper, Arkansas, and I currently... Uh, live in Harrison, which is about 18 miles from Jasper, but uh, I'm here in the Ozark Mountains and uh, just south of Branson, Missouri, Springfield, Missouri area, where the the Granddaddy Bass Pro is. As you guys may kind of be familiar with that, but uh, gosh, I got into hunting. I mean, <laughs> I, going back, I shot my first squirrel. Um, you know, as a hunting family, I shot my first squirrel when I was like four years old. And uh, my great-grandfather bought an old ethical single shot. It's a single shot lever action. Looks kind of like a, a Winchester 3030. Uh, but he bought that back before I was ever born because he wanted my mother to, to have his first great-grandchild. And uh, when I turned four years old, they gave me that 22. And that's where it all started for the hunting side of it for me and then evolved because that's that's and back then we eat everything that we shot i mean literally everything we did we did it because we eat the meat so uh i've come a long way it's evolved a long ways over the years and stuff you know but uh uh hunting has just been (laughs) my life for for as long as i can remember over 50 years now Mm, right on so what are your what are your favorite critters to chase these days golly my favorite critters uh anything that probably makes a sound that i can call in and that's why i love y'all's decoys and stuff so much because it coincides with me you know grunting rattling wheezing whether it be turkeys or deer elk uh anything like that is is what i love to hunt but i mean obviously whitetail and turkey just because of where the location I'm at and traveling all over the country, it's probably my two very favorite. I do like the waterfowl side of it, but I like to video the waterfowl. It's such a, a hmm. treat to, you know, to, to actually get everybody else, you know, on video when I'm doing the, when I'm doing the waterfowl side. And, uh, but yeah, I, I love it. I love it all, honestly. Boy, Philip, I didn't know that about you. I didn't, first of all, I didn't know that you elk hunted, and then I didn't know that you were into waterfowl hunting and waterfowl filming. That's that's pretty cool. You're kind of a versatile guy. But tell tell us about your elk hunting. I did, I I don't think a lot of our we always think of you as uh, as a turkey and whitetail hunter. But tell us about your elk and, and anything else that you hunted. Well, over over the years, uh, you know, I I spent a lot of time back in the HS days uh, running with Wayne Carlton. Wayne and I are really good. I was always his videographer that ran with Wayne. And okay. we, you know, we done the elk camps and stuff there. But before that, 
me getting started, I mean, I literally had some buddies and we'd just go find a place in Colorado on public land. And that's how it kind of got started. I mean, back years ago, I haven't shot a lot of elk, but I really, really love elk hunting because especially during that bugling, you know, when they're, they're, they're screaming out there and you can, you know, work the calls and bring them in. It's, uh, I, and I've been so blessed to video so many elk hunts over the years for other guys as well. We always had a, a team of guys, but, uh, I think I've, I've, I've shot about a dozen bull elk. And the cool thing I will tell you though, that I'm very proud of is I shot the very first bull elk that was ever recorded in the state of Arkansas with a bow. Hmm. Wow. That was, uh, quite, quite an experience to actually being able to hunt elk in my home state. It's a, it's basically a draw now, but we do have a little bit of private land that they, uh, they allow some hunts on because the elk filter on the private lands, they try to keep the control numbers down and, and stuff there and keeping, keeping the, the ranchers, if you will, the guys that run the cattle and stuff, trying to keep their fences in check and stuff. Cause they elk are pretty hard on them sometimes, but it's, uh, it's, we have quite the herd here in Arkansas, here on the Buffalo river. And, um, it's, it's pretty amazing. I love to go down there and video and take photography and stuff. I spend quite a bit of time down there and it's not, it's about 30 minutes from my house here to, to actually go see elk. I had no idea there were elk in Arkansas. Wow. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Uh, were, are they uh, were they transplanted from the from further west, or were they are they native? There? They were trans uh, transplanted uh, back in the early eighties um, from Colorado. Okay. Yes, sir. Yep. And then uh, you know, I I love to hear that you love filming uh, waterfowl hunts, and that's that's a really difficult thing to do. You know, I mean, it's hard enough to hide, you know, uh, from waterfowl as they're coming in and and that much more difficult to film successfully like that's a that's a good skill to have you probably picked up some some skills on how to do that over the years well and and i have it but it's believe it or not it's kind of relatively new to me on the on the video side i i did a little bit with hs but we had a couple guys that that that's all they did was waterfowl um but then now that working with larry and ryan you know uh Ryan uh, and Kent, uh, with respect to game, you know, Larry McCoy and stuff, those guys, um, mm -hmm. George, you know, George, uh, but I've, I've actually been on some hunts with these guys and I've tried to just take the cameras and stuff. And I just, I just love the challenge of it. And I, quite honestly, if you got a dog involved, it's just off the charts because I love capturing slow-mo with the dogs you know, going out in either out into the water or out into the field and, and bringing the geese or the, or the ducks back in. It's just, I just love the aspect of, of, I think what I love about it as much as anything is the camaraderie and everybody being able to participate in the hunt when things are going good. And of course I live right here in Arkansas. So, you know, I mean, I'm a ways from the better part of the waterfowl side, but I, I tell you, it's, I haven't done a lot of it. But what I've done has been, it's been really fun. I mean, it's uh, I really enjoy doing it. Right Have on, you done yeah. any of the green timber mallard hunting? A little bit, and that is something else. <laughs> just just vaguely, um, 
uh, I went on a, on a couple of those. We didn't have the best. They weren't coming in real well, but I'm gonna. I'd like to get on get into more of that. I think that is the ultimate. That is just beautiful to capture. But we did do that. I took, uh, as you know, TJ and them. I actually took him and and Brady down here with a good friend of mine down here that invited us to come over and hunt uh, here in Arkansas. And I tell you, we got in some of that timber and they had a great setup and I'll tell you what, it's just, it's just awesome, <laughs> you know, to see them coming in and, you know, you're just, you're sitting on sick them. I mean, you're just sitting there waiting for the activity to happen and everybody's working the magic on the calls. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun, but I really, really enjoy the video aspect of it. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying about the, the camaraderie part of it. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're deer hunting, you can, you can have that, you know, back, back and back at the, you know, the camp or the, or the house or, or whatever, but you know, you can't, you know, when you're, well, you're deer hunting, you can't really have a whole lot of conversations and stuff, you know, but with, with waterfowl hunting, you can, which is kind of a neat, neat aspect of it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Ryan and and Ken Hughes uh, or Hoiser, I'm sorry, Ryan Hoiser, you know, they, they, uh, they're a father son team and boy, I tell you what, they're really good. And, uh, but, uh, I, uh, George Lynch, you know, George, uh, I spent quite a bit of time and learned a lot around George. He's, he's an incredible waterfowler. And, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed just hanging out with those guys, you know, and watching them work the magic. And, and I actually got in on this, uh, this, just this last year, got in on with Ryan and then we, we, we went out on a, uh, and cap- I captured some of the best incredible footage and, and grabbed it all in slow motion where they, I guess y'all call them the tornadoes, you know, where they're coming in and it's just thousands and thousands of them and actually got to capture it and, and watch that moment unfold. And that's, that's just something unbelievable. But, uh, uh, I actually got to take my first, uh, geese and my first duck, um, ducks, George, George Lynch was the caller on the first duck and first mallard. And, uh, I took to it pretty quick, you know, I mean, grabbed the shotgun and, and, you know, just had a lot of fun with it, but, uh, just watching those guys work. And then we had, uh, a lab on both of those particular hunts that we done last, last year, uh, which was one was a waterfowl duck and the other one was, was the geese. But, uh, watching those dogs work, I just, I, I'm just intrigued by that. I could just, I mean, I literally followed them out into the water and got out there and just, you know, with the waders and got right out there and watching those uh, dogs work was just truly amazing to me. Yeah, right on. Yeah, we we know George. We love George. He's a and he's a phenom- he's a great guy and he's a phenomenal waterfowl hunter for sure. Yep. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just just kind of open opened everything up but obviously you know turkeys and deer are, are my I, I guess my expertise if you will I mean I spend a lot of time every year you know and using those DSD decoys you know that and that just that just adds fuel to the fire for me <laughs> yeah we love it yeah that's awesome so what um what parts of the country do you turkey hunt in then well, I, normally every year I usually kind of have a tradition of, of uh, 
maybe going down south somewhere to kind of kick it off, like either in Mississippi, Alabama, and then kind of working my way up. But I, I hunt Oklahoma, um, Nebraska, Kansas is two of my top states that I go to every year, Arkansas, Missouri. Uh, I think we're going to do Ohio and Pennsylvania this year. Uh, Iowa is another state in Missouri, uh, two of the best states for the Easterns. Um, but I spend a lot of time out there. I mean, it starts about May, uh, March 15th and runs all the way through May 31st. I'll be somewhere yanking and cranking on a call somewhere. I guarantee you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, so one of the things I'd like to ask you about then is, you know, um, licensed sales in most States are way up. Yes. Many people speculate that's due to COVID. And so one of the questions that we get asked a lot is, is for, you know, how do you, how do you find out access for turkeys? Where, where do you look? How do you go about getting access? Well, it depends on, I mean, obviously if you're not going to, I do a lot of my, my hunting through outfitters, which normally they just kind of let me do my own thing. It's, I, I like to do my own, you know, they don't have to just just point me in the direction, if you will. But a lot of states, say for Kansas, for instance, they have these walk-in hunting areas that's opened up to the public, and you can pull that up there. And and if you're looking at public land, Nebraska, same way, you get out there and you just look on, and and you kind of, I mean, you can contact uh, the local game and fish or whatever, you know, as far as your DNR guys, contact them to kind of get some information. You can contact your outfitters and stuff like that, depending on what you want to do. I cut my teeth on public land, especially here in the Ozarks here in Arkansas. But what you got to watch, guys, sometimes when you're uh, doing this hunting, especially on federal ground and stuff, make sure because sometimes you have to have a permit if you're going to video. And, of course, you know, I, I video and hunt everything. We capture everything on video. So you have to kind of be careful on some of the areas and make sure, you know, uh, uh, forest land and stuff. Uh, you have to get permits, and sometimes they're pretty expensive. And that's for, for filming or, or hunting or both? No, for the videoing. Uh, if you're – if especially yeah. – if you're on a professional level and they look at it as, as that's how you're making your living, they, they, they want a piece of the pie. Um, yep. you know I mean? so I, I have to, I have to be careful on some of those aspects there, but, uh, for the most part, you know, just guys wanting to, I mean, any more, my goodness, you know, you've, you've got hunt stand or onyx, things like that. You can find places, you can find where the boundaries are for your, private and public lands and stuff. And I tell you, public land is, has got a lot of good hunting that people overlook. I know that. Yeah. Especially if you're willing to hike in a ways is what I've noticed. Yes. If you want to get off the beaten path. And I think that's probably why I've been so successful. I'm one of those guys. I'm old school. Uh, I started from the ground up and basically everything I do, uh, it's my work ethic. That's why I'm so successful. I just, there's just no give up in, in this guy. If any, any, if, if anybody's hunted with me, they know that I just, uh, you know, even though I'm getting up in age, I'm still, 
and, and I've got the story to tell here in a little bit about the, the big deer I, I took in Kansas this year. But, um, you know, I've, I've done everything in the world, say, for instance, whitetail hunting. Uh, out in uh, Wyoming, well, there was no trees. They're coming to this huge alfalfa field. And, you know, trying to figure out a game plan, how to make something work. Literally took a shovel out there in the middle of nowhere where, where they're coming through this gap uh, kind of in this mountain and they're coming down to there. I just literally took a shovel, dug the hole deep enough to get down in with my bow and put the cameraman up on the hill to capture all the action and, and was very fortunate to shoot a big deer that way. And um, <laughs> it's just going outside the box. A lot of, uh, another instance was in Montana. Uh, there's this huge dirt bluff and the deer are coming through there and there's, and and I was hunting with uh, Powder River Outfitters, and pra Travis says, Phil, he said, it'd be awesome. These deer are coming through there. But he said, man, you just you can't beat the wind regardless of what you're doing. There's just no way to, to capture them there. And I said, well, what about me taking a shovel up there, digging a hole in the side of that bank? And, I mean, it was just vertically straight up and down. And the first time in after we'd done it, shot a big whitetail out of that. I made a pretty good long shot. But the bucks came through that bottom through there, and uh, it, and it paid off. You know, uh, Rog was up on top shooting down on me in in the, in the hole. Of course, I had cameras running on me as well. But it's little things like that, guys, that that separate. <laughs> you know, having tag soup, if you will, and you sometimes mm -hmm. you just got to be versatile, think outside the box. That's awesome. Yeah. And taking chances and stuff like that. Are those, are those on the virtue TV Were those filmed and uh, actually, be on episodes? Uh, uh, they have both been on the, uh, on the, on the virtue TV hunts. Uh, actually, you know, the first one, the, the Wyoming is on the OHS primetime. They may have that hunts posted on hunter specialties, um, which I'm no longer with hunter specialties when they sold out, um, and uh, I'm no longer with them, but I spent 16, oh, about 16 years with those guys as being the head videographer slash hunter, uh, kind of known as their bow hunter in the group. And, um, but th I think those hunts are, you know, actually still out there. And, uh, but uh, it's, you know, just been blessed over the years to have good people. You know, anything you do, you, you guys know as well as I do, there's other people involved to, to help you with your success, you know, but at the end of the day, you've got to make it count when you have that opportunity. And, uh, you know, a lot of times on these hunts, you know, yeah, we do a lot of hunts with outfitters, uh, because we're promoting these guys and I love hunt camps. I do so many hunt camps all over. I do one in Montana. I do the virtue hunt camp in, uh, Nebraska, Kansas, and, and we're just expanding all the time. But the cool thing is, is the camaraderie that you have in those hunt camps. For me, it's, it's for the love of the hunt as much or more than the kill anymore. Cause I've been, I've been very blessed to take a lot of big deer and, and turkeys. And, um, I, uh, I do, you know, do a lot of the hunts with the outfitters. The good thing is I, I get it to where I'm, I'm the guy that goes up and maybe sets the blinds out, does, does my own thing, hang my own tree stands because I'm just so particular on how I want my setups to be. And I've developed these relationships and have continued these relationships throughout the year. So I've only got my own 
piece of properties, in other words, that I go and manage and take care of. And it's, it's a lot of fun just for that. And running trail cameras, I'm a big nut. Uh, I just partnered up with Radix Trail Cameras, and boy, they do an incredible job. But I depend on all that there and uh, just different things to try. I, I, I'm trying to be versatile. I work with Pure Whitetail. They make an incredible product, them guys do, and mock scrapes. And I've got all this video footage off the Radix Trail Cameras this last year just by putting out the pure whitetail and these bucks will start hitting scrapes in July when they're in velvet and the licking branches, they're hitting the licking branches. And I learned a lot this year. And there again, you're never too old to learn, but, and I've always done mock scrapes a little bit, you know, and, and trying things, different things. But this last year was incredible. What I developed on a 42 acre piece of property in Kansas um, I probably had 25, 30 different bucks on coming in, working these scrapes. And I started them in July when I was putting out food plots and, and stuff out there and putting the pure whitetail out. Incredible. So, um, so Philip, what, what is, what is pure whitetail? What is it? Well, pure whitetail makes, they make several different, they make it in a, a liquid form. They make it in a dust. They also make it in a full synthetic line of products, but you go out and I'm taking, say, this dust, for instance, and and I'll scrape the ground there and start a mock scrape and put some of the dust or liquid, whichever one that you want to try. But they make so many different varieties. They make one that's called bedded up, uh, which is secretions of where the deer bed. They take it. They they have their own farm with their own deer that they, they use uh, all this product on. And I'm telling you, Dave, I'm not lying to you. I created what I call the bar and grill and had all these bucks coming in to this little, I call it a hunt plot, that I'd put a food plot in there. And um, I put a a boss buck feeder at one end of it there where the deer would come in. But you, you can't believe how many bucks would come in and hit those scrapes and and actually scrape there and hit the licking branch. I mean, that would be the first thing they do. And I had it all over this property from one end to the other of the property. And these bucks all coming in and making these mock scrapes. It was incredible. But you, you just need to go online and I'm, and check out purewhitetail.com. It's, it's simply incredible product that is now a huge part of my arsenal when I go out there because I'm a nut about getting getting the footage and and i've got the camera set up in video mode and photo mode and then i have the cell cameras that that send them to my phone but it's it's been amazing what and and it it works everywhere i've got it here at home in arkansas you know doing the 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 mock scrapes but now here we can't use actual deer urine it has to be a full synthetic product you know which is basically you know, but you can still make the scrapes and stuff, and the deer will come in and hit those scrapes. It's pretty amazing. I found that the the full synthetic product seemed to work just as good as the real thing. That's great. That's great. We're in the same situation in Oregon, where um, because we don't they you know they don't want to have the chance of 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 getting or spreading. I think it's chronic wasting disease. Yeah, so CWD. we're in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So that's good to know that there is. Um, you know, something 
that could is it so it's like a scrape starter basically uh you yep, can make a yep. mock scrape and just okay and it just leaves huh. and, and and what happens those bucks are in these bachelor groups and they and when they it's like a new kid you know on the block if you will new kid and they got to come in and check it and investigate but here's what i found out too dave the does hit those licking branches is about as much as the bucks do and i got the hmm, support wow. footage of all that the does hit the licking branches about as often as the bucks they want to know who who's in the area and stuff that's how they communicate i guess is through those licking yeah. branches and and pure whitetail really brought that out for me Right on. Are you using natural licking branches and cu- like cutting them to size, or are you, um, are you like cutting branches and 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 attaching them to the bases of trees and that kind of it's stuff? It's kind or? of funny you you said that because what I've actually done is took some zip ties and actually made some limbs in places that I felt like like if you wanted the bucks to come to a particular spot, and you know, mm-hmm. and. And I've made them and use like zip ties and stuff to do that with. And they work just as well as the natural looking branches. You can create where you want that buck to come, come to. That's the cool thing. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 our, our blacktails don't make scrapes, but I'll bet you that that would work on our blacktails. And I'm certainly going to try it because, you know, they're just so curious and, you know, it'd be definitely worth trying. I, 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 you know, like I say, it's a, it's a year round and I don't call this a job because, you know, as well as I do, you know, a few, <laughs> but what I will say is I spend year round doing everything that I can trying to make places better, uh, learning the habits and stuff of the animals and, and all this kind of comes together. I, I run, Dave, I probably run 50, 60 trail cameras. And, um, wow. I mean, I, 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 I have lots going on. This all works hand in hand for me as I've gotten older. I, I, I enjoy, it, it's just not, a. I, I get just as much out of, uh, making my hunt spots better, if you will, and educating what deer, you know, the age class, what deer I've got, watching them grow up, shed hunting, uh, putting in food plots, you know, working with the Radix trail cameras that, that I put out there. And I've got where I do more ground hunting now than I do tree stand hunting. And I run multiple cameras to get the footage. But at the same time, I love being ground level with deer and turkey. I mean, you know, just right mm-hmm. in your face. And um, so it's, uh, you know, whether you're building just a makeshift blind or, you know, getting like, for instance, uh, maybe a Radix blind that I use and set up. And what it's allowed me to do is Rhonda, my better half, she just started hunting with with me about four years ago. And Hmm. guys, she is literally eat up with it now. I don't know how many, she's a (laughs) hundred percent on turkey and deer and she loves to do it with a crossbow. And, um, she is, uh, we both shot big deer in Kansas together this year. She went out on her own and shot a, uh, a, a really nice buck here on our place here in Arkansas. And what I'm saying, it's just as I'm getting older and getting these places, I just love the whole aspect. It's a year or year round thing for me, putting all the pieces to the puzzle together. And I know we're getting ready probably to jump in here and talk about 
more turkey and deer. And I want to hear, uh, I mean, obviously you got new turkey decoys and spring's coming up here. And as you know, I've used your decoys forever. And it's been such a, a great relationship because I, I, th- there's nothing better out there. Nothing will wear better and nothing looks more realistic than the Dave Smith decoys. All right. Well, thanks. I, we love to hear that. Uh, appreciate that very much. And it's, you know, it's, uh, guys like you can make us look really good, like with your hunting skills. Um, and we appreciate that too, you know? Well, it's just, uh, it's amazing. Uh, for example, this last spring on my little piece there in Kansas, and I hunt with triple H outfitters out there, but I actually sublease a, a small piece of property that's a long way from the lodge and, and I, and I've taken it and I've had it for about five years, actually going into six years now there. But this last spring was really special because I love to get the turkeys up close and stuff there. And, and I use the decap broadheads uh, and it's so lethal. I mean, you can just literally take their heads off, but uh, I, I was able to get the decoy get the turkeys the goblin strutting coming all the way in and then they lock in on your decoy and your decoys and i shot one at four yards and one at five yards in kansas and with the decap and was able to shoot them right in the head and nice pretty awesome because they goblin strutting coming in and and then the, the outfitter uh, i actually called a gobbler in with him and i we were team double teamed him um uh, but Donovan there at Triple H Outfitters hunted with me. He, he had, uh, of course, Kansas had closed off some of their hunters. They opened it back up late season there. They closed it out. But we sat there side by side. We got a double there. Uh, I shot mine with a decap, and then he shot his with that slick trick raptor. Or, uh, actually, I think it was the, uh, yeah, maybe the raptor trick. And he shot his. But we, we had a really good hunt. And But the decoys was the whole thing. They just lock in on them. And, uh, it's just amazing. You're working with the call, work the magic, get them in to where they can see the decoy. And once they see it, you know, it's just, uh, it's pretty much game over. <laughs> and Philip, do you have a particular combination of decoys that you like to use? You know, for me, I don't like to put out bukus of decoys. I like, I think it's pretty cool to put maybe say, uh, uh, I love the Jake Strutter. Uh, that works really well or the just the jake and maybe put a hen under him i really like that you know in the breeding position and uh, your breeding hen and then just taking another hen and just kind of setting it up whether it be the standing or the feeding hen just kind of putting it off to the side that that's a setup that i like really well sometimes when you're running and gunning you ain't got time to do a lot when a turkey goes out there and you're just you know doing a quick setup so i may either use a hen or Jake, depending on, I guess, as much where I'm at or something there and setting up. But, you know, just when I set up, I kind of like that. I like to use two hands in a in a, a Jake or the Jake Strutter. You know, it works really well for me. I just have had really good luck with that, that uh, situation. Gotcha. And is there any particular order in terms of where you put your decoys versus where you want to take your shot? Well, I think anytime you can, if you, if, you know, obviously I, if, if you're trying to shoot him in the head, I, I kind of like that 
I don't mind them front on either too much, um, to be honest with you. Sometimes if, if I see a situation, depending on the visibility from right to left, makes a lot of difference on how I set it up. I, I'm very patient and I'm going to, I'm going to let the gobbler turn away from me or strut away to where I'm going to take the shot. And it depends on whether I'm, what broadhead I'm using or, you know, if you're shooting them with a shotgun, same thing. But it, I like to set them ideally, if I can, sideways to where the, the gobbler will come in if I'm shooting him in the head or if I'm wanting that broadside shot. But I also have learned that if I set him away from me, that gobbler comes in, he's going to be facing away. And if I'm, especially if I'm bow hunting, you know, if I'm bow hunting, if I'm shotgun hunting, I, I probably would do just the opposite. Uh, I don't really pay a lot of attention. The main thing is the visibility of the turkeys being able to see them and feel comfortable. I feel like a lot of times you've got to, you've got to give them a little bit of space. As, as y'all know, some gobblers will just come in, I mean, and just hammer the decoy. You know, they've got that attitude. And the Eastern's probably more so than any. But then you also have some that's going to come out there and stay out there and strut around a little bit. So, uh, but the placement of the decoy, I, depending on what whether I'm hunting with a bow or a shotgun, depends. But I for bow hunting, I like the sideways for the most part because I can get them in because I like to shoot them in, in the head or the neck if I can. Shotgun, um, uh, a lot of times I'll face it where the gobbler's looking right at us just because when you do shoot him, especially if he's a little bit in strut, I like to see those feathers fly <laughs> and rock and roll that head. But hey, anything I do, the decoys are going to be up close and personal because whether I'm doing it with a shotgun or a bow, it, I, I, I like that up close and in my face. And you got to be on your toes. Now, if I'm taking a kid or a wounded vet or somebody like that, which I do a lot of hunts in the spring, uh, on turkeys, especially. Um, but I, I, I set them out there a little further, you know, that 20, 25 yards probably. And depending on the visibility and stuff there, but I want to usually around 25 yards for, for kids. And I do a uh, lots of hunts with kids and, um, uh, uh, that's, that's kind of the way I do on the turkey decoys guys. I mean, that it just really depends on the visibility of what they can see. Right on. Yeah. Good, good man taking kids and vets. That's, that's awesome. That's, that doesn't surprise us at all. About well, you. And, um, and, and yeah, go ahead. I, I want to really just real quick tell you about a hunt that I did. I, I've done the last couple years in a row uh, in Kansas uh, mm-hmm. out there at Triple H. I, I got a boy that come, it comes with me. His name's Nick and he's got Down syndrome, but I've had two, unbelievable hunts and well the last three years in a row um he's hunted the last three years in a row the last two i actually took him and done everything the first year clint actually i let clint take him and video the hunt and he got his buck but the last two years we've had amazing hunts with this boy and he's got down syndrome but he's done it with a crossbow guys and it's pretty special and I've, I've, I've had your decoys out there in the mix. Um, and so I feel like the decoys give him that opportunity to get away with a little bit of movement, but how, I can't tell you, uh, how humbled I, and 
and how you feel about doing something like that. But this boy loves hunting and he's full. He's just totally just full of life. You never see him in a bad mood or being negative or back talking his dad or his uncle there that's in camp with us every year. It's just a, a truly amazing thing that I do every year. And we do that at the Virtue Hunt Camp. And I go with Nick and I video his hunts. And it's just really, really special. But we, we try, I, uh, the decoy has played a lot, a huge part of that. Even if we haven't taken a buck in the situation, just the experience of, of having deer coming in and stuff to the decoy. And Nick say, no, no, he, 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 he don't want to shoot that buck. It may be too small. He's holding out for an eight or a 10 point, you know. So <laughs> it's it's got to be so, you know, just a, so rewarding. And the good Lord's blessed us on that. Ah, that's great. Yeah, that's, those are the kind of things, you know, like, you know, when I'm when I'm working on the sculptures or, you know, Brad is working, you know, long, long hours uh, at the shop or in the office or whatever. It's like those are the those are the kind of things that we dream about and hope hope are happening, you know, with our decoys. It kind of what keeps yes. us going. Oh, gosh. And I do so many kid hunts uh, uh, with kids, especially turkey hunting. I just feel like it's such. It's, it's just such a great way to introduce uh, kids to hunting. And every year in Oklahoma, I've just got some friends, and they they doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. They use their own money, everything that they do, but they try to take five or six kids every spring on turkey hunts out there. And uh, we call it the Jamesville Youth Turkey Hunt. And we, we give them a whole experience. They either bring tents and campers and and set up everything, and we cook outside. They they've got a pond there. They have stock with fish, and we give them the whole experience. But I have been so blessed the last six seven years of taking kids, and usually we have a two day hunt, and usually at least two kids. I'm blessed to call turkeys up, and and it's all done with the Dave Smith decoys. I'm just telling you, they that's we set them up. I work the magic on the calls. They come in, and the decoys just take the attention off everything. And I, I put the, the shotguns, I put them on a Caldwell field pod and the guys just knock their heads off, you know, they're the kids and, you know, girls and boys and six, seven years old, just truly blessed to be able to, to do that every year. And I'm going to try to, they, they're not going to have the James Beal, but uh, another buddy that I called his daughter up, at the James Beal, he's invited me over to their place, and and he heads up an organization there uh, for veterans, and he's got a, a girl that we're going to be taking for the first time, and I'm looking really looking forward to that, uh, going over there and trying to you know get her her first turkey. So that that things like that is is really important to me to do as well as my hunts. I know I have to do so many, but honestly, from what I get out of it. It's right here. As I as I always say, it warms the heart and soothes the soul to do something good and watch a smile on somebody's face for the first time, you know. Well, and it's so important for the future of hunting, too, because as you know, every year there are fewer and fewer opportunities and places for people to go, and they're really the yes. future of conservation. Yes. You know. I, I agree, Brad, 100%. And guys, I, I tell you, that's... But the product you guys make makes that possible to, to be able to do it. And I'll just tell you right now, 
a lot of these a lot of these decoys i'm just going to tell you have got pellets in them okay lots of pellets <laughs> and you can't do that with just any decoy as you all know i mean the wear and tear i've got some of your decoys i've had for several years and there's no telling how many times that's happened when they, they've got pellets in them and they just keep they're they're kind of like a kind of like the energizer bunny they just keep going and going <laughs> Yeah, we we kind of did that all wrong. Like we made these decoys that are really durable, and then they don't have to buy no more. You know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, we had the opportunity to, um, you know, make a, a a fragile decoy that people would have to buy over and over again. And actually, when we first started doing turkey decoys in 2008, um, we were using a rigid, more brittle material. Yeah. And so, so actually yeah. turkey decoys were the whole reason why we made the, the switch to what we use now, which is a softer elastomer. Yes. We call it ACE for advanced uh, cross-link elastomer. But um, people were shooting their decoys, and we never really realized until we released an ultra-realistic decoy that that would be an issue because people were shooting their birds in such close proximity to their yes. decoy and they were so excited that they didn't even really pay attention to the fact that the bird is standing literally right over the decoy and so <laughs> decoys were um were, were getting damaged quite often and so you know we we basically decided we've got to do something about this and so that was the whole inspiration behind us uh finding a more durable material that's that's where ace came from that's that's pretty neat, and and I can't tell you uh, two or three times I've actually pinned gobblers to the decoy, <laughs> shoot, shoot the yeah, decoy, and then the air go in <laughs> and depend them. And and my wife done that with her crossbow. I, it was it was so we we've seen that happen on on multiple occasions. But there again, that just goes to show the durability and how tough that the the dsd the dave smith decoys are it's just it's truly amazing and uh of course the the deer decoy i know we're probably going to want to kick off on some deer deer talk here that happened this fall but man guys i've i've still literally got the the first decoy dave i got from you years ago and and it's just amazing how many times that it's took one for the team I, i i mean and and just they just keep keep going and going. I I've got other decoys now that you know through the years there because what I like to do I've got multiple places multiple places that I I have set up particularly for decoying. So it makes it nice to, that I can leave leave that decoy in a blind or maybe down in a little draw there close to the tree stand where I can get it up and and set it up so I don't have to carry so much material in because I always got so much camera gear and stuff there. But man. Uh, I just can't tell you how many times that, uh, those decoys have, uh, made this old heart race because of bringing a buck <laughs> into them or a doe. And I, I'll tell you something I did uh, quite a bit this year, guys, and we got to talk more about this doe decoy thing now, but I took okay. the ears and laid them back, took the antlers off and tried to change up. And I got some pretty good footage this year. Does actually coming in and bucks to a doe decoy. Uh, and I mean, mm-hmm. I've just took the buck decoy and, and made it into a doe decoy. I put one of the ears kind of about halfway out, you know, halfway out, one of them up just a little bit, not too much in the alert position, 
but I had a lot of encounters with does this year coming in and it's helped help the situation. You know, obviously the bucks coming on in as well, but when you can, can get the does to come in, it's made a difference. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what we have in the future, possibly with a doe decoy with y'all. Yeah, boy, I would, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I want to do that too. Like I, so what, what pose do you think would be the, a good one to start with on a, on a doe decoy? Well, I, and I've thought about it. I think, you know, obviously I think you, you've got, I don't know if you could ever make it versatile enough to do both, but I think if, if you had one, obviously that you could lay down with a buck decoy, I think that would be a really good scenario, you know, where you could have a doe decoy that's kind of in the laying down position, but obviously where you can have her head up enough, you can, he can see her. But I personally, I think for all around would like to have one that you could maybe change the ear position like you've kind of got now, but maybe a tail position to where you could put it about halfway out when, when it goes in, in estrus, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you, Dave, I've got bucks that have actually come in and tried to breed the buck decoy that you make literally yeah. as a buck and just come yeah, in and I mount have him to. And yep. it's crazy. Yep. Um, yeah. I try to look away when that happens, but it does happen. <laughs> I mean, well, well I, it is 2021, guys. So yeah, that's true. Exactly. Keep an open mind. Yeah, yeah right on. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> the, I, I think they've evolved with the people, huh? Yeah. The animals. Yeah. I guess if you could call it that. Yeah, sure. I had a big, big buck there uh, a few years ago. I called him after the encounter. I called him Freddie the Sexy Six because of, of queen you know freddie and uh uh-huh. but anyhow long story short he uh this big buck come in right at last light and 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 guys for we we finally had to get out and bump bump him off the decoy this went on until it was total dark and finally just had to get out he would not leave the decoy he'd walk off come back and try to breed it again and it was just it went on and on and on and that and, and I've got some footage. It was pretty low light, but the footage I got was, I mean, it was pretty phenomenal. I mean, he's just watching him. He was just in love. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's good. But a mature deer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, when I did the sculpture, I was trying to decide like how far do I go with the anatomy, you know? And so I put the yep. testicles and then I was like, oh, do I make a penis? And I and I'm like starting to roll up clay, and I'm just like, you know what? I I think we're gonna stop with the testicles. I think we're gonna call that good. <laughs> right. <laughs> it felt really dirty to be rolling up clay to make a, a deer penis. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, so that's great. We can cut that out. I, I, that, we can we can have Scott cut this section out. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of in line with our podcast yeah there was one instance this this fall there though david it was was late october i had i'm on a i've got a blind set up next to a creek here and i put the the dave smith decoy out and i i had it facing out i had it as a buck at that particular time and we had i think five bucks in that little little hunt plot and they were bowed up to each other they come into that and i basically seen them over 
I seen them with my binoculars over there. I have a uh, uh, a feeder that you could see. It's it's 100, 150 yards through there. I could see these bucks coming out there, and they were going over. What they were doing, scent checking, though. They're scent checking for the does. They're not spending any time there. And I'm sitting there, and I I hit the horns and hit them with a couple grunts, and here they, here they come. And they just all started piling in there. And there was five of them there at one time on uh, around the decoy, and they were putting on a show. They were working the pure white tail muck scrapes over there, licking the licking branches and stuff. There, it was it was one of the best sights. We got all that on video this year, and it's just just. But the, the this one buck had he was he was honestly, I believe he was the smallest of the of the bucks that was there, and he but he had the attitude, and he was pushing all these at bucks around and he would get to that decoy and he'd stop and paw the ground then he'd go over there and he'd work a scrape but it was one of the prettiest sights i ever seen because it was all this was all 25 yards and less 25 to, to five yards of us in the in the ground blind and to capture all that ground level it was just they're all i think every one of them seemed to be in that three-year age class probably but boy did they put on a show and it was just how they how they uh, reacted <laughs> and, and they'd all work the scrapes and lick the licking branches and stuff there and then they'd come walking mm-hmm. and they'd kind of keep their distance from the decoy but yet you know within about five yards of the decoy but they they all would kind of put on a show but that one he just he just had the attitude he would paw the ground and, and just he, he he never did hit the decoy but Oh my goodness! The multiple times the shots that we would have had, you know, but it was just spectacular. And of course, they all got a free pass. It was an amazing. Uh, yeah, footage. you know what's interesting about that is, uh, so so here's these 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 white tails that are all the same age class that are all all tolerating each other and hanging out together. And you know, who who knows yeah. if maybe there's a si- siblings in there or something like that, but. So then they encounter the decoy and the decoy is probably about in that age class too. And so, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of strutting all that stuff, but they didn't crash the decoy. And it makes me wonder, like, maybe they were about ready to let the decoy into their little group, (laughs) one of their friends, you know, a new (laughs) friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. Like you said that, uh, and, and I, quite honestly, I think a guy left the decoy out, they would have probably gotten used to it. But I had, here's what I did find out, though. I put one out this year. I first got to Iowa up there for my first hunt, and I got there to hunt that evening. So I was setting everything up, got the decoy all set up and everything. And I, I got this bright idea, you know. I thought, man, I was in here too late. I probably messed everything up. I thought, I'm just going to leave the decoy out so I don't make any more scent going out there and carrying it back. Dave, I come back in, that decoy was in about 40 pieces. <laughs> the ears were knocked <laughs> off, the, and, and I had a camera set up, and it happened so fast it just barely got the buck smashing him. And then it just, I mean, he hit him, and I mean, like I say, the ears, the antlers, the everything that, that could be detached was. And uh, <laughs> it, But so probably a learning experience, not a good idea to leave them out all night. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah that's well i i always kind of feel like 
too, you kind of, it's, you know, you maybe lose some of the effectiveness of it during the day if, if they've already crashed the decoy at night and they kind of figured out that something's not right here or whatever. But yep. you know, it, that's not always the case because nope. just like you talk, talk about the ones that are, that are willing to come and mount the, mount the decoy. It's like they forget, you know, a, a few minutes later, they just forget and just go back into that instinctual mode again. So, well, and, and that, and, and, you know, as well as I do, when you're, you're right there pretty much in that, when they're cruising stage, you just never know what buck's going to show up in the next 10, 15 minutes. And I'm yeah. pretty aggressive with the rattling and the grunting along with the decoy during that time frame because of that, because, you know, I, there's been a lot of times, Dave, I've probably had, you know, half a dozen encounters with the decoy when it's right, you know, and then you get the weather right and high pressure day and, and, and catching them when they're, when they're right in that stage before the the does are just starting to come in and the bucks are just going nuts. And there's no telling how many encounters you can have with that decoy on an old day set if you'll just stay there. Oh boy, that's a, uh, this is an epiphany for me. Like I'm so glad to hear this and you just remind, you just kind of uh, just taught me, taught me something like I, in some of the places that I hunt, I'm so, like my, my goose hunting has made me such a conservative hunter and I'm so, I just never want to educate anything or never want to go into the yep. core areas and stuff. So I'm so afraid to rattle. I, sometimes I'll go an entire season without rattling because I think I'm hunting these blacktail bucks that are in this, in this tiny little area, but it, you're right. Um, and it, it happens with blacktail bucks too, where there is, they're cruising and there's a lot of, there's a lot of travel and some of those pinch points and stuff it can't, boy, it can't hurt to, to rattle and be aggressive. I need to, I need to learn that lesson. Well, it's, it's just, for me, it just adds that adrenaline, extra little adrenaline rush that, you know, that they all love to get and get excited when a, a deer comes in. That's what I love about the rattling grunting. And then you can work him and, and kind of watch his mood and stuff there. And, and as he's coming in, I, I tell you, it's, uh, um, it's I, I I can't get enough of it and 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 I, I'm gonna tell you, Dave. I think we're missing the boat. Just like I think taking a doe decoy or maybe a, a another buck that's not so much in that, maybe not quite as aggressive look out there, especially like September, because the two best fights, two of the best fights I've ever seen were in September after they stripped off velvet, and in, mm-hmm. in in my experience, and I. I that's the thing about decoys. You can use them any time out there. That's, that's, that's why I loved about trying this year. I was trying to get outside the box to learn a little more. If I'd done different poses, ears and stuff like that, if it would make any difference and, and using it as doe decoys, Dave, I've literally got photos of, of does coming up and I used the pure white tail with the, with the decoys and actually putting it on the back of the decoys there toward the, uh, the tail area there and on the hawks there. And those would literally come up and lick that pure whitetail Why I put that in a doe position uh, and, and took the antlers mm. off and changed the ears and stuff. I, I, I got a, I had two or three really, really good encounters uh, doing that. Mm. And I learned in that little food plot area that, that I used the decoy so much, the does, when I done it, 
it with a doe like that. And even with a buck, because they were used to coming in there anyway in there to the food lot and traveling that, they they got pretty used to that decoy. They they weren't blowing out. Uh, you know, like sometimes you you get a doe too close to the decoy and something, they see it and the I've I've had them to to kind of freak out, if you will, and alert other deer. But I don't know, by putting that in more of the doe position and in and putting that in that area there, they they I don't know why. They just seem to get used to it. And I don't know whether it's because I had the pure white tail out and they were smelling some of that along with the, the de- decoy. But I had really good results this year uh, of, de- of the does not blowing out. It hmm. was really, really good. All right. Yeah, that. Huh. Well, speaking of deer hunting and your fall, uh, how, how did your fall go? And uh, didn't you didn't you end up having a pretty, pretty good fall this year? I, I did, Dave. Uh, just quickly, I'll run you through the scenario, but shot a really another double drop time velvet buck in Nebraska. Um, not long. Uh, they're both barely legal drop times, but it is a drop time and it was in velvet. And that's my second. I, I've just never been able to hunt places where I could get the the deer in velvet, but I've shot two really good bucks in Nebraska the last couple of years uh, in velvet. This year was no exception. It was a really good hunt. Larry McCoy, you know, we do that virtue, respect the game hunt camp, and Larry took his best deer out there this year in velvet, and Ryan took a good buck, and uh, so it was a really good year. Then I jumped on down Iowa, shot a really good deer grunting, and I had a lot of footage uh, this year, I didn't shoot the buck I shot on the decoy. I was actually in the timber, pretty thick timber, uh, when I actually took the buck, but I did grunt him, grunt him in and, and call him in, snort weeds the buck to the tree. But I had such great, great experiences and uh, a lot of footage with the, with the decoy with a lot of encounters. It was awesome in Iowa. And then jumping down to, uh, jumping down to Kansas, um, took my wife out there for the first time Rhonda got to shoot her first Kansas buck uh and w- with a crossbow and, and she's just a I hate to say it but she's a killing machine she's uh that was her fifth buck in four years that she shot with a Camax and uh, it, it was also her best buck and I captured all that on video and she shot him ground level then I hunted a buck on this piece uh I nicknamed him Hoss and Long story short, I had five encounters with this buck. Um, he was a five-and-a-half-year-old buck. My first encounter with him, I rattled him into your decoy. He was a three-and-a-half-year-old buck. I rattled him right in, and he was a good buck then. I knew he was going to be something special. That was the only encounter I ever had. And then at four-and-a-half, no trail camera pictures of him in the daylight period. He was he was a buck. I don't think he was what I'd call a resident. But what he did at five and a half, I think he he basically got up in the pecking order and was the top dog. And he started, you know, because of the pure white tail and all the encounters in there that I had. I had five encounters with him this year, and three of them was it dark i i it was just i didn't have enough camera light and couldn't see the pins he got a free pass i'm all about you know 
Um, so back then, but he, he started being more regular. When I say more regular, though, he'd still maybe show up once a week, <laughs> if you will. But mm-hmm. uh, it went throughout the season, and it got down to the nitty-gritty. And uh, we had I had one encounter. He was there one time in the daylight. I was in another ground blind, and he was about 100 yards away. And he was actually in front of the ground blind that I ended up taking him out of. But uh, he had this huge drop time. And like I say, called him Hoss, but he came in, it got down. I passed every buck up that, that we had trail camera. I'm going to have an unbelievable next year. We're going to have so many different bucks to choose from because the age class is finally there. It's finally, I've had this piece of property for five years and this, and Hoss is the first buck that I've ever taken off of it. And just, just so you know, I, it got down to the last day, but here's what I did. I can't hardly get into that area in the daylight. So you basically, if when you go in, in the mornings, because it's so open to get back to where you need to get to, you have to cross railroad tracks and a ditch, a huge ditch to get back in there. Then it's, it's kind of an open field. It's pretty open. Then you've got your little timber stretch and it's a Creek that runs through the property. My blind is back there next to the Creek. That way the wind will go down, and I can just about hunt it. I can take chances and hunt it on about any wind direction. Of course, I run Ozonics and obviously spray down good with, you know, the pure whitetail spray and stuff. But basically what I did is it got down to the next to the last day and we had some cold, cold weather finally coming in. And I sat all day on the 30th. Uh, from We got in there right at the crack of light. I've got the cell cameras to go off and I can set them to go off before I get there. So I can make sure that there's not anything out there in the distance to kind of ease in there. And I've got them all over the property on that 42 acres. I've got four cell cameras. So, and then I don't know how many just actual trail cameras, the Radix is set up in both video and photo mode. I've got probably 15, 20 cameras on the property, but to go in there, I went in there with the intentions of hunting all day, and if I didn't shoot one that night, I would I would spend the night in the blind. And <laughs> so what I did, I took game hide has what they call a no chill. It's a insulated body suit, and I took that no chill suit in. I didn't have a I didn't have a, a a heater or anything, but Rhonda went with me. But at dark, right at last light. She went back and went back to the lodge. We have a camper back behind the lodge. She spent the night in the camper. Well, I spent the night in the Radix ground blind, and I have the swivel chairs. And uh, if I do it again next time, I'm going to do it a little different just for because I didn't sleep all night. But it got down to seven degrees real feel. Uh, it got cold hey, next to Oh, my day. God. Yeah. And you got 14 hours of there in the dark. I zipped it up, uh, obviously, so the deer wouldn't smell me. And uh, I spent the night, a whole night in the blind, thinking I might catch one at light because I've been seeing some big deer, mature deer, and I thought it might be the time for him to show up. I've got to take a chance and make something happen here because now we're to the last day of the season, going into December 31st. Well, that morning, uh, I had... 
a lot of deer and they, they had, it was, it was magical because when I was videoing them, when I unzipped and stuff, the deer started coming into the plot and stuff back before they're going to bed and the does and smaller bucks, I didn't have any shooters in there, but they had frost on their backs. It looked like it was an inch deep. It's like it almost mm. were covered with snow. It was such a magical frost, huge frost. And uh, it was mm. going to be a high pressure day. Well, I went ahead. I t I'd had a sandwich and a, a, a bottle of water, which I kept in my suit to keep it from freezing. And that's what I mm. eat in 30 hours, a little over 30 hours that I spent in that blind. And I, it, I didn't have him to come in that morning, but about 3.30, I had a buck that came in, and he came into the plot there, and it was he'd already lost his antlers. This was in December, and he'd already lost his antlers, but he had been injured. It looked like he'd had some kind of injury there, a leg injury, and I feel like that's, I'm sure that's why he lost his antlers. But about 4 o'clock, Rhonda, by the way, got back into the blind with me about, about noon. She came in. And I set the cameras off uh, to make sure there wasn't any deer that I could tell was around. She walked in and joined me, got in the blind with me. And about four o'clock after that other buck that had shed, he walked out of the food plot. And uh, Rhonda said, there's a buck coming. She said, he's fixing to cross the, cross the creek down there and come up. She said, I think it's Popeye. There was another buck that I'd nicknamed Popeye that has one eye. And he had a broken G2, so he's automatically going to get a free pass. Or well, we're thinking that's probably him. Well, I went ahead and kicked the cameras on, and I'm a I'm a kind of guy that I've got to run. Well, I, long story short, counting the cell cam or the trail cameras that caught him on video, nine cameras caught the action, and I had two on me at Rhonda live uh, on me, one wide angle and one down on us to give us a different look, and then I had three cameras the big 4k camera to capture the buck coming in. I had a slow motion DSLR and then I also had a slow motion DSR small one mounted on my boat. So when Hoss come in, I couldn't believe it because we hadn't had him on camera at all in over a week. I thought maybe something had happened to him. I mean, it was like he disappeared and all of a sudden I thought it was Popeye walking in and then I'm, I'm looking through my binoculars and then all of a sudden I kept, um, I see it's a big wide deer. And I said, Rhonda, it's not Popeye. I said, I'm not sure, but I said, it's big. And about that time it walked, I saw the drop time on that right main beam. I said, oh my gosh, Rhonda, it's Hoss. And I, my heart just automatically kicked it in high gear. I mean, this is the first time that I've had the opportunity to, to really, and, and, and I'm looking at him through binoculars and you guys can imagine if he just all of a sudden popped up in them 10 power binoculars. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I mean, I, my heart starts beating. That's when I'm grabbing my elite bow. I had that new Encore, by the way. And I was, I was just, like I say, I'm just sitting on sick. Of, well, this went on, this buck comes in, he's on pins and needles. He comes in to the plot and he's, he's there. And I had, I had uh, uh, some big time feet out there at the time there. I had, had it just a little bit scattered all over the plot. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it, that and what little was left of the food plot. But he comes in and, and I've got my bow and he's on pins and needles. And I couldn't figure out which one of the 
blind windows to shoot out of because he was constantly moving around. I drew on him a couple different times, but he was always straight on. I couldn't take the shot. And finally, he gets up. He's like 10 yards. And I pulled back, and when I did, I had to swivel. He went to my left there, and I come up with the bow. And he just, when he did, he heard just a little creak in that, in that blind and it was dead still. And I just, I mean, when I come up, as soon as the pin hit behind the shoulder, I let it go. And it was an absolute perfect shot. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is 12 minutes after four. We've got, I mean, we're down to the last hour of what I call good, good magical light. And to get him in that good a light stuff. And then, I mean, we watched him run off and he run on out into the field where I could literally drive my truck right to him to load him. But he went out there and I just, I saw him, I saw he just disappeared. I knew that he had, you know, he was done for that, that slick trick eat him up. I'm telling you, but he, at that moment for Rhonda to be with me there, right beside me, I think it's, it has to be one of the highlights of my hunting career because here's a a gross (laughs) booner, five and a half year old deer that was just, never showed up in the, and to get that opportunity in that good a light on the last day, the last hour of the hunt after me sleeping in that blind all day, <laughs> staying in that. And I put that no chill insulated suit on and it got me through the night. I, I about froze to death guys, but at the same time, had I not had that, I'm telling you, I would have froze, but I wasn't really dressed the best to the conditions, honestly, but uh, just to go through that whole the whole scenario of the hunt, if you will, to relive that, it's one of the most magical times because Ron and I's emotions were off the chart. And she actually <laughs> done she actually done the recovery with me, you know. And we captured it on every single one of the trail cameras. Uh the Radix got the 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 side view of the arrow going through that in video mode. And then I got another camera that actually took the picture of him running off with the arrow uh, hanging out by the fletching, if you will. The whole arrow was just completely through him. But as he's running off, it uh, nine cameras caught that whole that whole hunt on video. And, and then, like I say, it's the, it's the best hunt I've ever, whitetail hunt anyway, that I've ever self-videoed. It was, it was truly amazing. God, I'm telling you, God put that deer in there. We prayed. And I'm telling you, God put that deer in there and gave me that opportunity. And it just oh, shows wow. you that that being being hunting a particular deer like that can be so rewarding when you when you do take it. You've watched him for three years, mainly on trail camera pictures, but what he grew into and and just uh, uh, just one of the most amazing moments I'll I'll ever get. And I can't wait for it to come out and show people because we, we, we spent a lot of hours on that, in that blind or, or on that property in different areas just to get that, to get that moment and, and to capture it all on video. It was incredible. And I give all the glory wow. to God on that one. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's spectacular. Wow. Yeah. I know that everyone that listening to this is just going to want to know where they can, where they can see that footage and those, those photos. Yeah, obviously, you know, the Virtue TV, we're on Facebook and Instagram, and then we will, we'll have this, uh, I'll probably post this on YouTube as well as, as, uh, the hunt channel, MOTV, 
uh, Respect the Game will have it uh, on on their show as well on Sportsman Channel and then, of course, the Virtue on Carbon TV. So we're going to have lots of places that you can find it. And uh, we're actually branching out. Uh, I'm doing the Fox Networks out in the PA, Ohio, uh, uh, West Virginia area on Fox Network. We're going to be coming on Sunday uh, right before the NFL games this fall with their whitetail hunts. And then obviously this spring with the turkey hunting segments, but we're going to be doing that out there. And that's a huge area. Uh, it's going to reach a lot of viewers. And, uh, I've teamed up with, uh, Steve Rocco who has Keystone wild outdoors, uh, on that as well as the virtue and, uh, him and I have partnered up and it's going to be a, a, a really good, a good time there guys and uh right i'm looking forward to this spring you know i know we talked whitetail there i'm really looking forward to this spring because as today we're going to get to mention that i've teamed up and partnered up with woodhaven and as you guys know woodhaven turkey and deer calls and as you know those guys are the salt of the earth mike pentecost just received the dick kirby award from the nwtf for all the contributions that he's done uh throughout the years with the nwtf what an honor and what a great guy and you know obviously mark scroggins and you got uh you've got uh let's see billy yargis uh scott ellis steve stoltz all these guys are grand national champion turkey callers and but more most importantly they're great guys and uh, advocates of our you know obviously our turkey hunting and deer hunting they're just uh, I, I can't tell you beyond words how it is uh, to be working with those guys because uh mark scroggins i've been spending a lot of time with him and we're going to announce our partnership today and uh they're again they're good christian guys and uh, family oriented i couldn't be working with a better group of people so uh, and that's that's some of the works that's coming in, but uh, you know, I have obviously with you guys, I, I, it's been a great partnership with you all. We've been, you know, working together. I don't know how many years now, and uh, I don't know how many years it's been. Several, hasn't it? I know I yeah. met you at the NWTF, uh, you know, years ago. That's where I met you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that was it. Uh, we're aging ourselves, uh, but I know, yeah, buddy. I mean, I, I want to say it's about a decade now. I think so. And then, of course, Brad, you know, being in the picture, Brad, and I really spend a lot of, probably more time than you and I do, Dave. You, you, you're, I don't yeah. know what you're doing in your old age there, well, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brad's the one with the personality, and uh, he's the outgoing one and all that stuff. I so, But I, I really, really, uh, it's it's been a, a really good ride. You guys are class acts, and I really love working with y'all and partnering with you and both on the photography and the video side and talking about it in all the hunt camps that I'm blessed to do all over the country and meeting all these good people at these shows and COVID's made a lot of difference. It's, it's hurt a lot of things as far as the show content, but Dave, the sales are going up and I honestly believe that hunting is if, if they'll allow us to do it, don't take our guns and stuff right now. But if, if the things keep going the way they're going on the hunting side, I think, honestly, it's, it's, it's helped for the fact that people are getting to spend more time outside, whether it be hunting, fishing, hiking, just outdoor activities in general. 
and it's hopefully it's going to bring these families closer together for our future. I yeah. completely agree. And yeah, it's unfortunate that the NWTF show has been, I, I guess I won't say completely canceled because there is a virtual show they're doing um, right. or, or I guess did do already. Boy, it's the 23rd of, of February. Where did time go? Um, right. So yeah. it's, it's unfortunate. You know, we always love to see you every year there in Nashville, yes. um, Philip, but um, you know, hopefully right. the show comes back in uh in 2022 and we will get back out there and get to spend some time with you absolutely i'm looking forward to getting the new decoys <laughs> <laughs> yeah when uh we do have a new hen decoy coming out this year I know. and i'm gonna i'm gonna let dave tell you all about that one how's that sound oh that sounds great i haven't seen it yet uh, well, I'll, I mean, it's it's hard to how do you describe how do you describe a turkey decoy? But it's 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 a hen. It's 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 probably the birdiest. Uh, it's probably the birdiest turkey sculpture that I've done. I would say I um I just had somebody describe it that way, and I kind of re- I kind of take that as a compliment, birdiest. and I that is kind of what I was going <laughs> for. Um, I'll have to but remember. But it's a that. Uh, yeah yeah, and um and it's. And it's it's a hen that's that's you know slightly on the co- confident aggressive side. Uh, it's a it's a posturing hen, and she's not you know she's not uh, you know strutting or anything like that. But she's just in a she's just in a it it'd be like the the new hen that shows up that that the other hens don't recognize, and she doesn't look like she's backing down whatsoever. And the idea is that that she will bring in hens um, to check her out or 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 see who she is or fight with her or whatever. And that, that would help, uh, bring in like hand up gobblers. Well, I can't wait to get one in my hands and, 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 and try it out. You know, I know every year I, I missed you, Dave, last, last year. Or so I think out in Nashville there, but obviously, uh, Brad and Scott have been out there and, and, Brad and I, uh, he's, he's a soul of the earth. I enjoy working with y'all and I can't wait to get the new decoy in my hands and let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't wait to get it in your hands and, and, uh, we know you're gonna, you're gonna make, make us look good as usual. We, uh, we, we, we appreciate everything that you do too, very, very much. And we appreciate your friendship, uh, more, more than anything. So, um, let's yeah. keep it, let's keep it going. Well, thank you guys. Uh, uh, there again, uh, I'm going to leave y'all with the virtue prayer, if that's okay. It's just basically goes like this. Dear Lord, guide my spirit and my heart straight and true so that I may always give the glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thanks for listening to this episode of DSD Hunting Podcast. Um, We really appreciate you helping us grow this podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, or even just share on social media. Uh, That goes a long ways. We'd love the chance to keep bringing fresh content. So if you don't already, follow us, Dave Smith Decoys, on Instagram and Facebook 
for updates on new episodes. We'll have opportunities for customers to get involved too with the conversation and ask questions. So keep an eye out every Friday for new episodes. And thank you so much for all your support and for listening to us.